Father, pour your spirit out on us today. Move in us with fresh wind that we would sense the new thing you are doing. Break apart the old. Replace it with your new fresh wind. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Um, might be a little rusty. I don't know. But those of you who know me well know that I tend to be high challenge. So on this celebratory Reformation Day, God's given me a message that is uh, challenging us and checking us to make sure we're seeking that fresh wind and that word of the Spirit. Today we celebrate Reformation Day when the one who was the inspiration for this denomination, Martin Luther, when he took action to stand against a corrupt church. And it was on All Hallows' Eve, 1517, so 504 years ago, actually on this day, he went to the church and posted, as we know, the 95 theses, the 95 talking points he had that he wanted to push back on the way that the church was handling things. So why All Hallows' Eve? Well, the next day was All Saints' Day, the day that they remembered those who had passed all the saints that had passed before them. What a meaningful day for us as we remember those tomorrow who have gone before us, gone before us in faith, and that we know that we are with them in the great cloud of witnesses, that we are one as the church. So on All Hallows' Eve, he went to the door of Wittenberg Castle Church and posted his 95 Theses. Now, you might think, well, that's a weird place to put it, but that was kind of the bulletin board of the day. That would be like someone posting their 95 talking points, which is a lot, uh, on Facebook or sending out 95 tweets to make their points. One of the things that's different, though, is Luther didn't just want to state his opinion. It was an invitation to a conversation the next day. It was going to be a dialogue about this topic. Now, I'm sure there were heated opinions about this. As we know, it, it separated part of the church and started the Reformation movement. But there was an open dialogue. And what it was about, as I sat and read, read this again, I read those 95 theses again uh, this past week, and I have to tell you, they were heartbreaking as I read them because so much of it was about the way that people were treated approaching death and after death. There was a sense of judgment that was placed by the priest, and they, the people were required to pay money, pay what was called an indulgence, in order to earn their way or their loved one's way out of purgatory 
this in-between place, making it to heaven. Can you imagine the heartbreak of being on your deathbed and not being sure that you were forgiven? But maybe if your family paid some money, you could be. Or can you imagine the heartbreak of not having the money to pay for a loved one who you have pictured in purgatory? This was heresy. This was corruption. This was manipulation. And so Luther exposed that brokenness and corruption. And we thank God for the Reformation, don't we? Aren't we glad that we're part, part of the Reformation? Aren't we glad that it's a new day? We thank God for Luther's voice against a twisted theology and for raising up the truth that through faith alone we are saved. Through God's grace in the gift of Jesus. God acts first for our salvation. He made provision to save us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Our role is two steps. Believe and follow. Thank God we are living in a time of truth in the church. Except... That's not what this New Testament lesson from Romans, assigned for today, says. In Romans 3, 19 to 24, uh, and I want you to, as you hear this, I want you to remember that the word law means the old covenant, the old way God had set up for people to ha be saved. Paul writes, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has made, been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Paul said, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a sobering thought. Let me read it from a different version, from the message version. It says, Scripture leaves us, leaves no doubt about it. There's nobody living right, not even one. Nobody who knows the score. Nobody alert for God. They've all taken the wrong turn. They've all wandered down blind alleys. They don't know the first thing about living with others. They never give God the time of day. Remember, this is Paul talking to the Romans, to the believers in Rome, 
after the resurrection of Jesus. This is post-resurrection. And yet this is still true. All have sinned and fallen short. This idea of having sinned and falling short is in real time. It's right now. Not just at one point in the past before we had faith in Jesus. So how might we be falling short of the glory of God? What has corrupted us in as dangerous a way as the manipulations that Luther pushed back against? As we have received this glorious message of grace through Christ, friends, we have gotten cozy we have gotten comfortable with how we know Jesus and we have gotten ourselves stuck in staying in the same place. And that's my caution today. We are content with Jesus. That sounds lovely, but it's dangerous. We're content where we are and we have a tendency to think that we have enough of him. We like things just as they are. We like our worship the way we like it. We like the verses that are our favorites, not the ones that push back. We like our circle of friends. We like sharing God comfortably with those who already know him. But we've stopped. We've stopped seeking him. We go through our our busy day, and so much rushes by, so many decisions made, so many people that we have conversations with, and we've stopped seeking him to guide us in those moments, those little moments. We've stopped listening to the Spirit. We have to quiet ourselves to be able to listen to the Spirit. We've stopped making quiet and space in our life. We've stopped growing. You know, any organism, organism that stops growing starts to die. That's not what we want. We want to grow and live in Christ. He has more for us. We've stopped sharing. We've stopped sharing the gospel with others. We're kind of comfortable that there's still a lot of people who don't know him. Why are we comfortable with that? So this is my challenge to you, to shake up this sense of stopping looking for more of Jesus. Because this is a corrupted theology. It's a corrupted theology, just like what Luther came up against. And yet, in Christ, we have the ability to reform it. And so we're modern-day reformers every day. We need to reform what God, Christ is doing in us by listening, by not just having faith, but following, by not just uh, listening and believing, but taking action. Verse 28 says, God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We've finally figured it out. Our lives get in step 
with God and all others by letting him set the pace. Earlier I said, God acts first for our salvation. He made a provision to save us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our role is two steps, to believe and follow. It's faith and action. Essentially, through our coziness, our comfort with the church, and our comfortable routine in our faith walk, we've been resisting following. We've been telling Jesus, I think I have enough of you. Luther pressed in about his convictions to make a way for change because he wanted nothing to get between the people and all that Christ had has for them. And that's what I want for you. I want all that Christ has for you. No settling for less. And that takes continuing to seek him, taking action. You know, a couple weeks ago, a friend of mine gave the, shared a lovely picture of the grace of God and, the, and life with God. She said, it's like a five-gallon tub of ice cream. Picture your favorite flavor. I'm a vanilla girl myself, maybe French vanilla, but picture that big vat of ice cream. And yet we take our tiny little teaspoon and dip it in. And we say, oh, this is delicious. It's so creamy. It's so good. I love this flavor. Have you tried this? This is so good. But there's so much more. We leave the rest behind and settle for so little. So how do we get in step with God. How do we let him set the pace? You know, I think this is an individual question. This is a today, a now question for you. I ask you right now to think about, like, where have you maybe gotten cozy or comfortable with your routine, routine of following Jesus? Are you reading the same devotional, and it's just sort of rote, it's sort of, that's nice, that was good, but you're not stimulated and to a new discovery about how God wants you to live. Are you not reading the word? Could you read the word more faithfully and look every day at the wonder of him speaking to you through the text? The living word. Maybe it's your worship. Could you be more willing, have a more gentle and open heart, a softer heart about the way we worship, especially when we worship together? And some people like one thing and some people like another. How can we be blessed by the fact that we're all worshiping? Let's celebrate that. Let's let our hearts be more like Jesus in that. So to allow him to set the pace in our lives, we've got to be light on our feet. It's sort of like a dance. You know, when you're dancing, and if you have those feet that are like led to the ground, 
you know, you're going to be pulled and tripped when you're dancing with someone. Now, I come from the generation where we invented the we can dance by ourselves thing. Uh, probably, you know, there's an independence thing that's going on there. But we, we didn't have to dance with a partner. And, of course, you know, all the women would get out, and the girls would get out and dance, and the guys would stand on the wall and watch us. But when you are dancing together, you have to be light on your feet. You have to be ready to pivot. You have to be ready to change the rhythm. You have to follow the music. And I think that's what we need to be able to do in the spirit. As God speaks, we need to be able to step up a little faster, to spin and turn and change directions because that's where he wants us to go. There's never a time when this ends for us. We do this our whole life long. You know, well, you might know that I'm going to retire in two weeks. Well, that doesn't mean I'm retiring as a disciple, someone who's continually growing and following Christ. And it doesn't mean that any of us take a break, get cozy, get comfortable, sit where we are. No, we're up on the dance floor. Follow the music. Don't miss out for all he has for you. Take that spoon and dig deeper. If it takes a thousand, a hundred thousand dips of that spoon into that ice cream of his glory and his wondrous ways, keep dipping in. Let's pray. Glory to you alone, God. Especially on this day, we give thanks for Jesus and our salvation that we get strictly by believing. And we give thanks for reformers like Luther and those who are sitting in the pews today and those that are online hearing your word. May we all be reformers. May we all dig deeper into you. We trust in you, Jesus, and we want more of you. We need more of you to grow. In each of us, we ask for your continual reformation to come today and every day. Pour your spirit out. In Jesus' name, amen.